Hello and welcome to the Wellness Trinity Podcast, where we interview top holistic experts and bring you natural solutions for modern day wellness. Let's get started with your host, Dr. Jacqueline. Hi, welcome. Thank you for joining the Wellness Trinity Podcast. I'm Dr. Jacqueline from thewellnesstrinity.com, where we provide natural solutions for modern day wellness. Today, we are here with a special guest. Her name is Dr. Mary Huntsman, and we are going to discuss what emotional eating is and how it can sabotage your health goals and how to stop it. So just a little disclaimer before we get started, what we discuss in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. What you do with the information is to be used at your discretion as the recommendations are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode was sponsored by Cellcor Biosciences. Creating supplements that work is what they do, and restoring hope and health is who they are. I have been using their products and protocols for the last year and have seen incredible results with my clients. Cellcor provides solutions to modern-day health challenges, which help people regain their energy and have their life back. I'm now one of their account managers for Oregon and Nevada. So if you are in those areas, I'm your go-to girl. And if not, and you would love to be a practitioner of CellCore, then I would love to connect you with the right person that will help you further education, uh, gather your um, education in that. And if you're the general public and you're curious about what is a CellCore detox, I can help you with that at thewellnesstraining.com slash CellCore detox. So I met Dr. Mary Huntsman on LinkedIn, which is a fabulous way to network nowadays, especially since a lot of us are at home and we're trying to figure out how to continue doing business. Dr. Mary Huntsman is a retired OBGYN. She knew that her battle with food wasn't a fair fight, but didn't know why. Then she learned all about a little known process that eliminated food cravings, didn't depend on willpower, and put herself in control when it comes to what, how much, and when to eat. Dr. Mary Huntsman, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Jacqueline. I'm so happy to be here. So you have an incredible story with emotional eating, and I would love you to just expand on that so the audience um, can know how they're connected to you. Yeah, thank you. I'd love to share my story. Uh, I... um. I, I started out, fortunately, early in life, I, I was slender and I didn't have a problem with being heavy. And as time went on and my life got busier and I got older, um, I found that I was gaining weight and eating more and but thought it was really related to just my life. I was the stresses of being married and having kids, a family, a medical practice. And I kept thinking if I could just find the right thing that could keep me from overeating, if I could find the right diet that addressed my metabolism, if I could find the right supplements that uh, would help my neurotransmitters or my uh, blood sugar, I, I, I could get out of this problem. And I really had no idea at the time that the underlying problem was that it was really an emotional or psychological one. My real moment of truth was I had retired from practice, so I had much less stress in my life. I had 
really felt like I'd run the gamut of all the different things to try all the different diets and supplements. I had joined programs. I had gone to coaches because I thought if I just gave myself some sort of accountability, that would work. I even had gone so far as put myself on a prescription diet medication, which was a really hard decision for me. I, prior to my retiring from medicine, I had a functional medicine practice. So I knew a lot about um, the value of nutrition and how to eat whole foods. And, and, and it, it really felt like giving up when I went to this medicine to try to stop eating. But I, I was just that desperate. And the moment came, I'd been on the medicine for a few months, and I still found myself in a pantry eating handfuls of cookies. And I realized the medicine was working. I wasn't hungry, but I couldn't keep myself out of the pantry, out of the sugar. Um, and, and that was when I really had to accept that it, I wasn't going to find some fix, quick fix for this. And it was also, as they say, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Mm -hmm. And that's when I began to learn about how to use this really amazing mind-body technique called tapping. And really, more specifically, these unique um, techniques that are really designed for emotional leaders. Mm -hmm. I had tried tapping before, and maybe others have too. And it was somewhat helpful. But these techniques were developed by someone who was also an emotional eater, and it, it, it was just, it just changed my life and it transformed my relationship with food. And that's why I have decided to become a certified coach and created a, a program for people because it's not about how much you know. It's mm -hmm. not about the knowledge and it's never going to be the diet and it's never going to be the program and it's not going to be the educational materials. It, you really have to, you're, you're fighting with your subconscious. And that's really how the EFT or the tapping works is that it helps you target these subconscious triggers. And when you can neutralize those, then it, it no longer, that's where the, there's no more willpower needed because you're mm. not in this struggle, this tension of your conscious mind of what you want to do, but the subconscious mind that's looking for ways to calm and relax itself. Mm, yeah. So what is emotional or stress eating? Well, to me, I use the terms interchangeably that they mean the same thing, but I really like the term emotional eating because I think it's a lot broader. Uh, emotional eating can certainly be during times of stress or um, when something unpleasant is going on, but you know what? Emotional eaters will take any good reason to to eat. So a lot of times even we emotional leaders will reward themselves with food or when they're bored, they'll look for food or they're looking for some sort of entertainment. So that's what um, I, I used to kind of joke at the time that uh, food was my drug of choice and I, I made it lightly and I never really appreciated how true that really was. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, you know, we're living in this crazy time right now with this pandemic, the coronavirus, and I i don't know if you've noticed, but I've heard people talking about it, that mm -hmm. they're just lounging around eating things, and who knows, maybe some of it's stress-related due to the pandemic. I mean, I could see how it could be that, but it, it could also probably be that 
maybe they have more time on their hands so they don't know what to do. I mean, what, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, I think, I think there's maybe a little bit of an emotional leader in all of us, right? A lot of these kind of conditions are on a spectrum. So a lot of people, yeah, if you have us either being around at home a lot or even those people who are out in the field, right, on the front lines mm. of providing medical care, those people that are working in the grocery stores for us, mm. they're um, under a lot of, with all that stress, they easily are, are looking for ways to calm and relax themselves. Mm. So they may reach out food because food's easy. Mm -hmm. um, but for people who are emotional eaters, Many of us are really flared up a lot right now. Even people who have felt like they've had it under control for a long time. And what I really like to say to those folks is, is, you know, be easy on yourself because it is so stressful. Don't use it as a time to turn a critical eye and be judgmental right. or shame yourself. Uh, you know, it's, it may need to be very kind of compassionate and kind and there may be a few days where you know food has a, just a really high attraction for you mm -hmm. i mean the key is that it doesn't turn into a cycle of weeks and months mm -hmm. of this all-out binge eating affair yeah yeah well and you put the nail you hit the nail on it when you said that it's like a, it's it was like your drug of choice a lot of foods there are things in it that are very addicting and and so it's not even just that it's food it's that there are addictive substance in it mm -hmm. substances in it that it really does make it almost drug-like so it depends on what someone's eating as well too that can really have that effect on on whether you know they they can find a distance with it or not yeah i mean that's so true so there's you know i think maybe many people are familiar with a, a study showing how sugar lights up mm -hmm. the brain and they've just shown that it's very similar to even cocaine uh, one of the uh, studies that I highlight on my website was one done in Australia by a uh, EFT researcher, and she actually gained access to a functional uh, MRI. And what they uh, did is they had two groups, and one group, um, well, every uh, out of the two groups, everybody got a functional MRI. And then they took a portion of the people and put them in an EFT program uh, related to eating and then the other group really had no coaching or EFT and what all they had to do is put people in the MRI and show them pictures of food and their brains would light up mm. in the reward center now um, from the study with the uh, with the tapping uh, um, when it was over and they redid the scans the group that underwent the tapping program almost that part of the brain, that reward center of the brain, it showed either very little or no activation. Mm -hmm. Whereas the um, group who had had, you know, no, nothing done, the control group, they had really the same amount. So I just to kind of roll back to your point, I mean, you're completely right. This isn't just about uh, making bad choices. There are really parts of the brain that are lighting up, active, and, and really trying to get us to go into a certain behavior. Yeah, yeah, and, and on that note, we build these neural pathways, and, and the more that we do something over and over again, that pathway gets really strong. So mm -hmm. if we're so used to um, picking up food when we're stressed, or some people, maybe it's smoking, or some people it's alcohol, 
Um, you know, obviously some people have some, some better habits than that for their stress. Um, but if, if someone does that over and over again, it's just, you might even do it, not even realizing that you're doing it because mm -hmm. it's just become so strong in our brain pathway. So, I yeah, mean, and we realize that it's dependable, right? Mm -hmm. Like we know that's where we're going to get our hit. And, mm -hmm. and I really love what you picked up on because these techniques or this whole concept isn't really just food, right? It, it can also be wine and alcohol or, you know, beer. Uh, people might be overindulging. It might be online shopping. You know, anything people kind of do to get a hit or a buzz or to, to feel good, to numb out a bit mm. is, is really all kind of related to these same processes. Yeah, yeah, totally. So why is it important for individuals to realize that they might be um, emotionally or emotional stress eaters? Well, first of all, first of all, uh, emotional eaters and emotional eating the pattern does get stronger and stronger, like you said, because mm -hmm. of these networks. It doesn't fix any of the problems. And it ends up being this vicious cycle because the person is, uh, eats, they're comforted, and then the buzz of the food wears off, and then they feel bad. They usually feel guilty and discouraged, and this can even lead them right back in to more eating. And it ends up being a vicious cycle mm -hmm. that it over time gets worse. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And it, go on. Well, I was just going to say, um, I mean, it, the vicious cycle, obviously people can gain weight. Um, people can get sick if they're, I mean, if they're, if they're addicted to the wrong foods, uh, obviously that can lead to illness, um, even bad be other behaviors. So, depending on the food, I, I don't think healthy foods are as addicting. Um, there is usually stuff that's unhealthy. Um, so let's just, let's just keep it on that. So if they're eating unhealthy foods, their behavior is probably not going to be as nice as good either. So they might lash out on their, their spouse, their kids, their, um, their colleagues. Um, if they're a teacher, maybe they're the, the students they're teaching or, or wherever they're doing business. So, um, there's this whole ripple effect. And then when we're not behaving the best, it obviously can affect our finances. I mean, there's just a whole, uh, like everything else in our life can be affected because of this other root issue that needs to be dealt with. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and most leaders are often out looking to solve their problem. They're out there trying to find the next thing. Uh, and, and I think that's another reason why I think it's important that they realize it's an emotional eating problem. It's not that they need to find the right macronutrient diet, you know, the right balance of carbs and proteins. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say is, and, and I noticed, and I, I experienced this myself personally, is that I'm gluten sensitive. But, you know, when I was on a roll, um, you know, it didn't necessarily matter that the item had gluten in it or that it had dairy in it or any other things. So and that's why I, um, I think that's the other part of this, like you said, helping people feel better. You know, a lot of uh, people who are looking for a more natural solution are much more aware of their sensitivities. But, you know, often the foods that we get the biggest buzz from are, in fact, the foods that we're sensitive to. And it, so it's even more of a struggle to stay away from them. And mm -hmm. as time goes on, that pull and attraction to them gets stronger and stronger until uh, often by the time they give in or allow themselves to have some, it does turn into a binge. 
you know, these are rarely the folks that can do like follow that sort of advice, like, well, have some, have a little, no, you know, their brain is lit up and ready and they jump in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So why is it important for practitioners who include nutrition as their therapy to consider that they are treating an emotional eater? Well, because I don't think if a practitioner doesn't know that they're treating an emotional eater, they're not in a fair fight either. Mm-hmm. So when a practitioner has uh, sees their client or their patient and they've done the workup and then they've created a, a thoughtful program, you know, often uh, they've educated the patient, given them support materials, the client or the patient is fairly excited to start the program. They think this is it. This is the thing that's going to work. And then out they go. And, you know, and after that initial excitement happens, then there's this waning, right? Where the people kind of, where they often are, it's a point where an emotional leaders are going to drop out because they're often the foods that have been restricted are the foods that they have depended on to calm themselves, but they don't even necessarily know that they can't necessarily even verbalize that to you. They'll say things like this diet was too hard. It was too, it restricted it. My foods, I just can't eat like this forever. Those are more of the kinds of things you'll hear. Mm-hmm. The yeah. other things that they would say is, um, uh, I, you know, I, that there was a lot of st- going on at home. I'm too busy. I have this big project. I'll, I'll get back on the program when this project is over. They'll sort of give you these hints that, mm. that, that they can't really follow through on the program while they're undergoing stress. Or mm. they might even not even, um, uh, even address it directly. They might mm-hmm. say something like, well, I, it was just too expensive to stay on your program. It was too time consuming to mm. stay on your program. Um, and yet, you know, we know that if, if people were on a program and they were feeling better, right, that they mm-hmm. felt clear and had energy and were sleeping better at night and their moods were more even, of course they would invest either their time and their money into it. So, mm-hmm. when, so when people are using those as their reasons, it, it makes me think they got off the program before they ever began to realize the benefits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as a practitioner, how would you decipher whether it's emotions or uh, as a root versus maybe some type of pathogen like a parasite or something Mm. else that might be um, causing their emotions to be a little bit haywire? Yeah. Well, I think that there's um, uh, three really good signs about it. You know, one of the first is emotional eaters often eat when they're not hungry mm. and some, and it also can be very hard for them to realize that. I know that it was for me. So if you said, well, just eat when you're hungry, I would interpret that. Well, eat when you want food. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to kind of create this little trick in my mind about trying to be able to figure out when I was hungry and when I was just wanting to eat. And for me, I personally used apples because I can, I can take or leave an apple. So say I uh, wanted to go get something in the middle of the afternoon thinking I was hungry. I would ask myself, would I eat an apple right now? And if I was truly hungry, I'd say, yeah, I'd go have an apple. But if I really wanted to emotionally eat, I'd go, no, I have no interest in eating an apple. Mm -hmm. Um, The second thing I think can be really strong with emotional eaters is they really 
have a tendency to sneak food. Mm. And that's a sign that they know at a level that they are out of control, mm -hmm. that they're eating something that they don't want publicly acknowledged by others because either they know that it is uh, food that is unhealthy for them and others will see it, or they realize they're sort of taking more than their fair share of the food, but there's this secretive nature about their eating. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the last is uh, that often the, the most eaters can't, because they've been on so many diets, they, they can be very uh, knowledgeable about food and nutrition. And yet they still seem to have this tendency to not be able to follow through, whether it's they can't make it through the end of the day or they can just last a few days or weeks. And then they just, it, they, they just quit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So how do you use tapping to help? It sounds like it helps to rewire the brain almost. I don't really know much yeah. about tapping, but why don't you dive into that and explain for, for myself and the audience? Yeah, I would love to. So first of all, this week, I love using the term tapping because uh, I think it's really descriptive. Um, it's also known as EFT by a lot of people. EFT stands for emotional freedom technique, mm -hmm. but I, I like tapping because that, that is what it is. Um, and tapping is really this amazing mind-body technique that combines both an Eastern perspective with a Western perspective. So from the Eastern perspective, it uses nine different points on the body that correspond with acupressure points. And you just use the soft tips of your fingers and you just literally tap softly um, from one point to the next. You tap about seven times in a row. And this has actually been shown to be very calming to the nervous system, both the, especially the central nervous system. The other part is the Western pers uh, perspective and it uses actually uh, techniques from cognitive psychology. And, and what, we, um, what we do with that is that we learn to recall thoughts and beliefs that are strongly connected to emotions. And so when you put these two things together, it makes this amazing synergy because you recall these uh, very uh, emotionally charged thoughts and beliefs but then by using the tapping, you create this very calming effect on the uh, limbic system or the subconscious mind. And that's how they, um, you begin to rewire or neutralize these triggers that are present in the subconscious mind. Okay. So where exactly on the body are these? I know some people are just listening to the audio version of this, mm -hmm. but maybe if you can kind of explain it. Yeah, let me explain. So uh, let me begin. The, the, First, um, I'll start off on the face, and you, it's really on either side. Um, so the very first point is considered the inside of the eyebrow, and really on that sort of, you still sort of feel the bony socket around the eye, mm -hmm. but you tap there. And then the second, it. yeah. <laughs> it's nice stuff. And then the second one, take my glasses is uh, out in the corner of the eye, but again, it's just sort of softly on the bone part. You don't have to hit the fleshy. Give it about seven taps, doesn't have to be exact. That's what's great about this method, it doesn't have to be exact. Um, the next is under the eye, and again, you kind of tap just on the little bone under the eye. And these same points also exist on the other side. Um, and then you go to the, the uh, 
uh, center and you tap on just under to the nose, kind of on that little divot that we all have on our top lift, lip under our nose. And then down to the chin. And again, just sort of on the top part of that fleshy part of our chin. And then we go down to the uh, notches and the collarbones. So you, again, you can go to either side so we can feel the notch. And what you really want to tap on is that bony prominence. Oh, the actual either bone. Side. Yeah. And again, you can pick either side. And then next is we do on the side of the body. And it's easy for women to find this one because it's pretty much where our bra straps are. <laughs> and guys can imagine that too. It's about a hand width down I think where their but, nipple is <laughs> yeah off to the side to go to the that area side <laughs> and then they finish finish up on the top uh, very top of the head so you say about seven taps um, and then they can go more or less um, yeah so you sort of just keep repeating the pattern so as I'm doing a tapping exercise I may repeat it 10 15 20 times so Typically what happens is as I'm saying a sentence, uh, that may be about seven taps and then I move to the next point. Okay. And you can use either hand, you can stay on the same side of the body, you can cross. That's what I said, it, it's, uh, you don't have to be exactly on the point, you can be just in the area. And that's why this, it's, this technique is so marvelous because it is simple. Mm -hmm. So about how long do people need to do the whole, like continue the process for? Uh, it, it, I, it, has, it kind of depends on the situation, but you can get a really good effect within even between five to 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I'll, and I, let me tell you this, sometimes I'll go longer and I was going to say that, and this is why, and this is part of the beauty of tapping is that you start off on uh, one sort of issue or problem, one feeling. And as that feeling lifts and goes away, the, the feeling or issue below it pops up. Mm. And then, you know, I will start beginning to tap on that. So there may, we call those aspects. So staying at home for, let's say, let's say you, you're in a stay at home situation. There may be several aspects to that that are part of why you don't feel well. It, mm. You know, it may be about worrying about other people. It's about worrying if and when you're going to get sick. You may have worries about money. Uh, there may be family dynamics going on because you're all home together all the time. And so through the tapping, as you clear one issue, then, then the other one comes up. And, and then that's, that's great because it gives you a chance to go through them all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I'm thinking, maybe you could tell me if I'm wrong, that pretty much as long as it takes to get yourself out of that uh, stress. Well, that, that's right. And then, you know, honestly, as you do it, you, you, you know, like anything, you get better at it. So uh -huh. okay. you get better at zeroing in and, and you get, there's a variety of techniques that I teach in my programs and I choose different ones for different situations. Um, and, and sometimes there's, you know, Sometimes it could just be a quick thing, like, you know, like a quick makeup, you know, you run in and throw on a little blush and lipstick and you're out the door. And then sometimes, 
you know, for a, a bigger event, you can spend more time tapping just like you would, you know, spend more time getting ready, right? Mm -hmm. And going for more details. Okay. Uh, so that's the power of it. You know, it's, there's actually a, a way to, to tap on your fingers. Um, and I've been known to do this when I'm, I'm out to dinner with someone, I'll have my hands under the table and they're, I'm being triggered by what's going on. I'll start just tapping on my fingers and mm. relaxing in the moment. So it can be that subtle too. Okay. Okay. Well, what it seems like it's doing, it's bringing you awareness as well. Uh, obviously there's a uh, physical reaction of what's going on in your body, but to remember that, oh, I need to tap when I'm stressed. Um, it, it's also reminding us that, oh, hey, we are stressed. So sometimes I don't even think people realize they're stressed. And, and they're just, you know, unconsciously, what, like we said earlier, grabbing the food, grabbing whatever it is that they're doing that might not be the other healthy thing that tr they're trying to get out of the stress um, when really they're stressed. <laughs> That's what we're talking about, right? E emotions causing another issue. So um, the, just the fact that it's, it's making us aware that, hey, we need to pause, we need to breathe, we need to um, re release some of this tension in our body so that we don't start spiraling out of control and making bad decisions. That's what, uh, what I'm getting from it as well, too. Yeah, I really agree with you. I think you're saying it just right. It, it, emotional eating is not about the food. And it's, so it's a way to, to, it's the symptom that you could recognize, and then you can use tapping to go for the root cause and go for the underlying emotion and realize you're stressing. So yeah, you're exactly right. A lot of times I'm catching myself by going in and looking for too many snacks and going, oh, wait a minute. Well, that's the mindfulness that you're speaking of, right? Mm -hmm. Let me check in with myself right now. What am I feeling? Mm -hmm. In fact, you know, what is going on with me? Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, I think you described it really well. Yeah, because it seems like once they're, and, and I can see why you're saying that eventually that maybe you might not need to do it as long because once you're more aware of uh, you're in a stressed state, then it's easier to get out of it versus if you're just going, 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 and you don't even realize that what's going on, it could probably take some layers to, that you have to deal with that could take more time uh, until um, you, you know, when you finally have dealt with a lot of that, then it, it's a lot easier. Like if you do get out of balance to get back in balance. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what is there, where is there evidence that this works? Well, there are actually over a hundred scientific uh, studies or review articles that detail its efficacy or how well that it works. Um, and I, I told you earlier about one of my favorite studies using the functional MRI. Uh, another one that I really love for uh, dealing with stress and, and in the effects of uh, eating and health is they did a study uh, measuring cortisol. Mm -hmm. So they took a group of people and uh, checked everyone's cortisol and then divided them up into three groups. Um, and one group did just one hour of tapping. Uh, another group went with a counselor and had a supportive conversation. And the third group was allowed just to go and chill in a darkened room. Then they took everyone's cortisol level again. And out of those three groups, the only group that actually lowered their cortisol at all was the group that did the tapping. Mm -hmm. um, and they lowered it by 40%. Uh, and the other two groups, even the ones, this surprised me, that even the, the group that had a supportive conversation um, 
didn't have any improvement in their cortisol. So there's actually, tapping has actually been around for decades. It's been used in PTSD clinics. It's been used for anxiety, for trauma. Uh, it's been used for phobias. It's incredibly effective for that, um, for helping people to quit smoking. So it, that's what I think for me, I, the fact that there's um, actual uh, proof and uh, clinical work mm -hmm. showing that it, it, it helps is just really the, the part that made it me feel more comfortable, right, with being something to offer people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So because there's this heightened state of fear and panic with the coronavirus, uh, you probably really think this would work to help people get out of their stress, right? Uh, yeah, it definitely is helpful. And it, it, yeah. <laughs> I feel like so much is swirling around in your head right now. That is, that's I don't really... even know where to begin. <laughs> I, what I want to say is that I, 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 tapping is definitely helpful for any kind of anxiety and stress. Um, it's, I don't want to kind of put it out there like it's a magic trick, though. Right? Mm -hmm. it, it is more helpful when you can be very specific about it. Mm -hmm. So uh, people that's why it's helpful to have some sort of kind of guidance and training. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of tapping scripts out there or EFT scripts and, and there's plenty of YouTube videos and things and people may go to those and find those helpful. Um, and they can be helpful. The, but, but when really the, the rubber and the asphalt meet from my opinion is when it becomes more personalized and you can work on your own personal triggers and events that are going on. Mm -hmm. Now, having said that, um, it, it's still possible to, um, to put together even a short exercise and go through it um, to do tapping. And, and I really think that, that it's possible to do a short exercise and, and have, bring a benefit to people who are feeling stressed right now and may be attracted to food or, or something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for people that are emotional eaters, and obviously this is a, a time in that can really trigger that as well, too. Is there other types of therapies that you would recommend aside from tapping or, or anything else that you think might, might help them to not um, to be able to turn away from food? Or is that like your main go to? Yeah, my bias is it's my main go to. <laughs> yeah, I um or yeah yeah it, it really yeah i don't know what to say to that Jacqueline yeah yeah well I mean that speaks for itself I mean like I said it's a new thing for me so I'll have to start testing it out if I feel stressed um what I've been doing in the last week um it's actually starting to pour rain right now as we speak mm. <laughs> um but um the sun was out a few times and I I found when I was stressed and I would go outside and I start exercising it it really just lifted a cloud off of me that mm -hmm. I was carrying. Um, and, um, you know, the tapping actually almost seems like a form of exercise. If you're doing that for an hour, I mean, I could see you probably breaking a sweat after a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, I never do it for an hour. <laughs> well, you had to mention those studies. <laughs> 
No, I, actually, you're right. Exercise is great. And if you can get out and exercise or, you know, just even get out in the sunshine or get, go ahead and distract yourself with another uh, project. Sometimes I find cleaning and organizing uh, is, is good because it just keeps my hands busy mm -hmm. and I'm on to the next thing and I can be distracted. Yeah. But the, the, the power of the tapping is, is that for me, and I, you know, why I'm just such a huge fan is that it, it goes in and it neutralizes these triggers. So I'm mm. not managing them anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's different ways that I, I work with my clients in terms of doing stuff like that. But it's, it really feels like a huge burden lifted off your shoulders when there when you realize there's, there's physical things that we can address to, you know, make changes in our diet where we where we put so much willpower, like you had mentioned, and I had mm -hmm. mentioned in your bio, it's like, you, you feel like you're trying, and you're trying, and then you feel so self defeated when you can't make these changes that you really do want to make like your heart is there, but your body just can't follow through almost. And, um, and so something like as powerful as tapping and some of the other things I use with my clients that were really just like neutralize certain things that are going on in the body that are causing these reactions. Um, it, it's a very powerful thing to know. Because People do want to make the, you know, make the right choice. I, I think at the end of the day, people do want to make the right choice in general. Yes, um, I do exactly. And that's why I see it as really a supportive thing to then following a healthy program. Mm -hmm. like, like you, yeah. I, it's not, it, I don't think that it's necessarily standalone. I, I don't think people can, I, I, well, frankly, I don't think people would eat unhealthy and then want to tap. I think they'd be happy eating healthy if that's their goal. I think it really comes in when people are feeling that tension. Uh, between the two things mm -hmm. yeah yeah and and it's uh it sounds like it's definitely not like any other therapy or even eating healthy there's there's many pieces to the puzzle here and so um you know sometimes uh practitioners will just think oh or, or, or we'll talk about certain things because of marketing or whatnot but really it's like looking at the whole picture but also mm -hmm. realizing that each of these little things can really magnify the success in someone's um, someone's whole program. So while the other part of the program might be very um, important in terms of like, like, we need to eat healthy, we need to exercise, we need to detox and all that, um, there could be something as big as tapping, it sounds like, and, and then in other therapies I know of that really just, again, take it to the next level and maybe be able to give that breakthrough so that they can actually follow through in, in the other things. So I'm glad that yeah. we had a conversation about that. Yeah, it's great. I completely agree with you. That's, yeah, well said. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing that I wanted to highlight that you mentioned too is really being, being compassionate with yourself. Um, you know, I think a lot of times it is hard to make uh, decisions in our life or, um, or even make changes in our life because um, we're so critical. <laughs> we're Americans. We we want we have this high expectation. We're always trying to live up to, and if we don't live up to that, it's like we don't even want to move forward. And there's no way you're going to go from A to Z in anything that you do in life, whether it's like starting a business, um, having the best marriage, or whatever it is that you're trying to do, and expect that you're going to be at the end rope when you're only in the beginning. So there's that's that's why there's so much and it's so important to have compassion on yourself because the only way you're going to get along the journey is sometimes you're going to fall sometimes you're going to make a mistake sometimes you're going to go through a period like we're going through like the pandemic and we don't even realize this thing is coming and so mm -hmm. you know 
it, just because you fall, and especially during this time with the coronavirus, just because you fall doesn't mean that you can't get back up. And I, I hope that people really hear that message and, and um, realize there's tools. But also, like, if you fall, have grace on yourself. Um, and, and then also just remember, just get, it's time to get back up again at some point and just keep trying because the more that you keep working on yourself and the more that you keep doing a repetitive thing of something that's good for yourself, the more it becomes more of a habit. And what better time than now to make habits, especially for some people that, that don't have a, a lot of things on their plate as much as usual. Yeah, I completely, completely agree with you. It's, uh, it's, it's not the time to beat ourselves up right now. Yeah, we have enough stress in the world, so we don't need yeah. to add that on top of it. So anyway, well, thank you, Mary, for coming on the show. Where can the listeners find you and if they, if they want to work with you or any information that you, wanna, you, you have out there that you know, they, can, they can learn more about this? Yeah, great. Yeah, I would love to share it. Well, I have a website. It's maryhuntsman.me. So Mary, M-A-R-Y, Huntsman, H-U-N-T-S-M-A-N. Um, on my website, um, I have a quiz if people want to take it to see if maybe that they might be an emotional eater. Um, I also have a video that is for designed specifically to deal with cravings. And I'm also going to uh, put a, uh, a tap along uh, uh, audio for people to do during this time to help them uh, ease them through some of the, what they might be going through with eating. Mm, yeah. All right, Mary. Well, thank you for joining us and thank you listeners for joining the wellness training podcast. It's just a joy to be able to give this beautiful information to you every week. And it, especially during this time, cause I know that more of your eyes and ears are really just open and, and, and just, ready to absorb it. So I'm doing my best to pump it out as much as possible because I know that you guys are just dying to hear these different tools that you can do so that we don't have to be so stressed during this time and, and we can also be healthy in, in a time when you know people are really concerned about their health. Mm -hmm. So thanks again for joining us and we will be back next week. I'm Dr. Jacqueline. I am here so you know. My Super Immunity Boost Juice Guide is now available on thewellnesstrinity.com. You'll learn how to grow broccoli microgreens, the ingredients I put in my green juice, and super nutritious supplements you can add to enhance your immune system. Again, go to thewellnesstrinity.com and you'll receive your free Super Immunity Boost Juice Guide. Thank you for listening to the Wellness Trinity Podcast. Be sure to subscribe for more wellness tips to help you achieve optimal health. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.